everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. We've got the Zendikar Rising Crash Course for you here today. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, how excited are you for Zendikar Rising on a scale of one to let's party? <laughs> I was about ready to say 10, but I'm definitely ready to say let's party. I don't want to get too hyped, and I know I feel like we're always excited for a new set because we're degenerates, but this set in particular, like the combination of... MDFC's party kicker landfall. I think that's going to make for a lot of interesting decisions in drafting, deck building, and gameplay. I'm I'm very excited for this format. Yeah, I agree. This format is oozing with like a lot of raw power, I think, versus a lot of synergy. It'll be interesting to see where those lands and picks. Yeah, I agree. So we we do things a little differently here for folks who who maybe are tuning in for the first time. But for our first episode of each format, we aren't going to be doing a card by card set review style show. We are more going to be looking at a lot of big picture stuff, trying to get you primed for what you can expect for the format as a whole, as much as we possibly can. We have graded each card individually, so we'll also be talking about some cards that perhaps Ben and I disagree agreed on when we compared our two grades and then we'll end the episode by ranking all of our top commons and uncommons in each color but before we get into that just a little bit of housekeeping to take care of first things first the lords of limited patreon page patreon.com slash lords of limited is where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose and everybody who gives back to the show gets access to the lords of limited discord and you are going to want to be in on the lords of limited discord for the first few weeks of a format that's when we're breaking the thing wide open that's when you're going to get to see a bunch of trophy decks that's when you're going to get to have people give input on your what's the picks what's the build what's the play maybe see where you went wrong see where you went right all that good stuff 24 7 limited tech support ben we say it every week it is i think the best place on the internet to get feedback for limited yeah absolutely 100 agree and we are going to be welcoming a bunch of new people here this week to the lord's limited patreon so ben i hope you will join me in welcoming chris william Corey, max brandon h austin ben eric kai michael mike Martin, Jacob, Dylan, David, Brandon C, Scott, Jack, Super Polly, Marius, Chris, Joseph, and Tyler. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. You know what we haven't had? We haven't had a random off the wall name in a while for the Patreon. That's true. Yeah, the Patreon's maturing, perhaps, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, just just the uh, boring normal names. That's not really an invitation for some off the wall names. I don't know if that's what you're going for there, Ben. No, absolutely not. Never. <laughs> Podcast is also now proudly sponsored by CFB. And as part of that, we want to make sure you're aware of the You Box It, We Buy It promo. It's a hassle-free way of selling your cards to Channel Fireball instead of having to go through the buy list, pick what you've got, you know, figure out what you want to send in. You just find the cards you don't want, you know, put them in some sleeves, box them up, send them to CFB. They'll sort through them, you know, figure out what they're worth, give you a quote. If you like the quote, boom, sell those cards to Channel Fireball. If you don't think they offered you enough, they will mail them back to you free of charge. It's about as hassle-free as I could possibly imagine as far as a way to sell cards. So if you want to check that out, you can go to www.channelfireball.com slash all strategy slash ubox we buy. And we also had our very own Lord Tupperware run an ad for this on stream as well as some other content creators. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm uh, prominently featured in that ad. I mean, look, when you've got the acting talent <laughs> that you have in Lord Tupperware, you just got to use it, you know? Absolutely. You've been making some great videos. I had fun. Uh, I've got my little Zendikar Rising care package from MTG, made a little clarinet video. It was, it was fun. Yeah, I think for me, it's just like those things are opportunities as creative outlets. And I'm always, always up for those. 100%. All right. 
Let's dive right in here. First things first, Ben, we got stats, baby. So we're going to be looking at creatures versus removal and how they line up in the format. What do you got for us? Yeah, so kick it off with the average creature converted mana cost and the average removal converted mana cost. So creatures on average are going to cost 3.1, so essentially 3, and the average removal spell cost is a converted mana cost of 2.84. So you're getting a slight bump there um, on average. So removal is good, as we've seen in the fire era, and I think you know, you're going to be expecting to get a mana advantage in general, especially from the top removal spells in each color. Yeah, so you know sometimes we'll see larger deltas than this, and that will clue you in to you know, if the removal is much more expensive than the average creature is, then that means that the format's probably going to be faster just because you're not going to be able to remove threats. And when the removal is cheap, I think that sometimes indicates a slower format. So here we've got, you're, you're about on par, right? You know, I guess we've got about a quarter difference here in CMC. Yeah, I think that makes that makes sense. Yeah. So now we'll look at, as we move up the the rankings of of toughness here like what does the removal take out in the format so if we start at x1s with subtle strike this is the combat trick that's one in a black for an instant target creature you control gets a plus one plus one counter and target creature and opponent controls gets minus one minus one until end of turn there are 24 total creatures uh, with toughness one at common and uncommon. So essentially 20% of creatures this is going to kill. That number is inflated a little bit by landfall triggers, party, kicker, that sort of thing. Like a lot of creatures enter the battlefield with some sort of bonus, you know, from party or kicker potentially. Or on your turn with landfall, they're going to be bigger because you've hit a land drop or things like that. But those landfall things, you're still going to be able to pick off when it's not the opponent's turn. Yeah, 24 total creatures with toughness one seems like one of the highest numbers we've ever seen when since we've started doing this type of thing right and i do think it's inflated a little bit like there are some included in that 24 that get bigger if you kick them or you know party bonuses gotcha okay so we move on to x2 with molten blast this is a garbage removal spell whoa 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 i don't know looks like it kills about half the stuff in the format <laughs> I guess it's a little overcosted though. So this is two in a red for an instant, uh, deals two damage to target creature or planeswalker, or you can destroy target artifact. So there's 23 creatures that are X2s, and Molten Blast is going to kill 46% of the creatures at common and uncommon. So yeah, as we move up, these numbers will get large. Moving on to X3s, we got Royal Eruption. This is the one in a red sorcery, deal three to any target, and has kicker of five, and if you kick it, deals five to any target instead. So we got 34 creatures total at X3, which brings us up to a total of 81 creatures in the format. So that's 80% of creatures that Royal Eruption is going to kill. Yeah, that card is absurd, I think. I, I'm pegging that to be, if not the best common, the second best common. Yeah, I th I, that's where I'm at too. X4s, we've got Synchronized Spellcraft. This is four and a red for an instant, deal four damage to target creature, and then deal X damage to that creature's controller, where X is the number of creatures in your party. So there's 13 creatures at X4, and that brings us up to synchronized spellcraft, killing 92% of creatures in the format. So do you have a sense here? Like, we, you know, we think about the magic number in limited in terms of like the toughness of creatures or like what you want your removal to do. Does it look like is, is four maybe the magic number? Does that get it into a territory of only synchronized spellcraft is killing it, basically? Seems like it. And certainly five seems like a huge number where it's going to take a lot to kill your creature. Yeah, so looking at X5, that's the aforementioned Kicked Royal Eruption. Only six creatures at five toughness here at Common or Uncommon, but that brings us up to 100 total creatures, and out of the 102 creatures we have at Common or Uncommon, and that's a 98% hit rate. Yeah, and then we've got a few other specialized removal spells. We've got Vanquish the Weak. This is two and a black for an instant. Destroy target creature with power three or less. 
We have 87 creatures in the format at power three or less. So this is going to kill 85% of creatures. That was a shocking number for me. That that moved Vanquish the Week up for me a little bit. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, on the flip side, we've got Smite the Monstrous, which is destroy target creature with power four or greater. And that's only 15 creatures. Uh, so that's a little, uh, little more than 15%. And then our last removal spell here at CMC two or less, Blood Chief's Thirst. This is single black for a sorcery, destroy target creature or planeswalker with CMC two or less. And then it has kicker for two and a black and if you kicked it it just destroys target creature or planeswalker there are 37 creatures at cmc two or less so this is going to hit approximately 36 percent of creatures in the format if you don't kick it yeah okay so you know where you go to download the episode will have a spreadsheet with a ton of info it'll have all of our grades as well as alex uh quarter calls from the limited level ups podcast he and i did an on stream set review and i'll probably also link that in the show notes the the youtube videos of that if folks are just hungry for as much uh, set review stuff as they can get their hands on for Zendikar Rising. But that spreadsheet's going to have all of our grades. It's going to have our top commons. It's also going to have a, a spreadsheet of combat tricks and removal spells here. So so looking at that spreadsheet, what sort of conclusions did you come to from the removal in the format, Ben? Yeah, so just a few rundown of stats here. There's 19 common and uncommon removal spells in total. So a few less than Ikoria, for example, as another complex set that was here recently. Ikoria had 23 um, but I think removal is a plenty, especially in the Mardu colors, as we've seen in general. And as we mentioned earlier, 2.84 is the average removal spell CMC. So uh, red, black, and white definitely have the most. They have 16 of the 19 removal spells. There's only one in blue, and that is Bubble Snare, which is single blue. Uh, tap enchanted creature if you kick it and has kicker for two and a blue and enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step and then in a green there's a punch spell and a fight spell that's a modal double based card yeah wow that's a lot and i think white doesn't have that much right i mean i guess it's got like journey to oblivion and the arrest variant and i guess smite the monstrous white also has the deal damage to target attacking blocking creature equal to double the number of creatures in your party that's called practice tactics yeah white's actually got a good number now that i think about it okay sweet so so concentrated in mardu as always yeah and i think there's a lot of really efficient removal especially in red and black and another thing to keep in mind is that removal that leaves creatures on the battlefield a la nahiri's binding or bubble snare is going to be a little bit worse than normal due to party you know you're going to leave those creatures on the battlefield on your opponent's side for their party bonuses as well as into the royal existing where people can bounce their own thing back to their hand and then replay it yeah it's so interesting i feel like my, my default always going into these sets is like well the pacifism effect is probably the best white common and then i don't feel like that ever really shakes out you know if we think about Aquaria or m20 those were not formats where pacifism shined at all right it just feels like an outdated view of limited i think yeah well i'm i'm here to bring that outdated view <laughs> <laughs> And things that weren't counted in this list of removal, we didn't count counter spells, control magic. So uh, Anticognition is a card I'm actually not going to be upset about getting got by. I think this is a good card. Uh, this is one and a blue for an instant counter target creature or planeswalker unless its controller pays two. And if an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard, instead, you just get to counter it straight up and then scry two. I love an essence scatter that I have to work hard for. But it's not it's not a creature spell. It's any spell, right? No. Well, oh, later on, you mean? No, it's a creature or planeswalker. It's an essence scatter you have to work hard for. I'm less excited about it. There we go. (laughs) Oh, that's disappointing. (laughs) Uh, This is one of our highlighted cards for later on, and I was I was ready for the Ben Werney hot take here. Oh, yikes. 
the hot take seems to be that reading is hard. Yeah, it, man, it's <laughs> difficult. <laughs> uh, the other thing we did not count is artifact slash enchantment removal, like broken wings, which is two and a green for an instant destroy target artifact enchantment or creature with flying. Yeah, so I think that that is the removal rundown there. Yeah, sweet. Well, now next up, we're going to look at archetype slash synergy support and see what we've got going on here at common and uncommon. First up, Landfall. This is concentrated in the Naya colors, so green, red, and white. Uh, nine commons with Landfall and six uncommons with Landfall. Not a ton, as I might think. As Landfall typically is, it's almost all slanted aggressively in terms of like creatures getting plus one, plus one counters or plus one, plus one, plus two, plus two until end of turn, that type of thing. Save for the Mill Crab, the single blue O3 that has landfall target opponent mills three cards and Kazandu Nectar Pot. This is the one in a green one three with landfall. You gain a life. Yeah, I don't know how you felt looking at the spoiler, but I was pretty underwhelmed with the support for landfall i was as well i i am a very wary of landfall i think it's gonna be a deck that i will begrudgingly get into early in the format but i'm gonna sort of have to be proven about how the the best versions of these decks perform before trying them myself i think yeah and i think a lot of if they're going to be very good are going to be on the back of ways to enable multiple land drops per turn and we've got a couple ways to do that first is cleansing wildfire this is one in red for a sorcery destroy target land its controller can search their library for basic land card put it on the battlefield tapped then shuffle their library and you get to draw a card yeah i think the best of the bunch here is the green white gold uncommon marasa root grazer we talked about this last week it's green white for a two three with vigilance you can tap to put a basic land card from your hand onto the battlefield and you can also tap to return target basic land you control to its owner's hand so it guarantees landfall every turn for you if you want it one of the other really good ones is roiling regrowth this is two and a green for an instant sack of land search your library for two basic lands put them on the battlefield tap then shuffle your library so this could potentially enable three land drops in one turn with two of them being at instant speed yeah and we've also got another one that enables three with vastwood surge three and a green sorcery search your library for up to two basic land cards put them into the battlefield tapped then shuffle your library it also has kicker four if it was kicked you get to put two plus one plus one counters on each creature you control and then we talked about scale the heights last week this is the two and a green sorcery put a plus one plus one counter on an up to one target creature you gain two life you may play an additional land this turn draw a card so they're, they're concentrated in green here it seems a lot of it feels like combo pieces that if you don't draw like the right mixture or even in the right order your deck is just going to be so anemic that that's my impression of it but that when you do hit the thing like you're going to have a huge turn of swinging but then maybe some of those creatures are going to be chumpable and then you're going to be out of bullets i don't know yeah i I don't think there's the payoffs here at least at common and uncommon maybe rare and mythic you might open something that incentivizes you pretty hard to go down this aggro landfall route but but on face value i am not in love with a lot of these cards on the other hand kicker we've got coming up next i am in love with a lot of these cards this is concentrated in simic so we've got 15 commons six of them in blue three of them in green and then sort of spread out among the other colors Eight uncommons, again, three green, one blue, and then a smattering in the other colors. Payoffs for Kicker, there are a lot of sweet ones. I think one of the best is Roost of Drakes. This looks like a sick build around. This is single blue for an enchantment with a kicker of two and a blue. When it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, you get a 2-2 blue drake creature token with flying. And whenever you cast a kick spell, create a 2-2 blue drake creature token with flying. Don't even have to pay any extra. Yeah, so it's just a four mana 2-2 flyer on its face if you kick it, and then more drakes to come the more you kick it and and one of the things about i'm very excited about blue in this format i think it looks to be quite strong um blue has a lot of inherent synergies and one of the things that i was trying to 
look at while doing the set review with Alex the other day, you know, he was comparing this format to Acoria. And I felt like that was a pretty apt comparison in terms of the column A, column B stuff we were talking about. You know, a lot of the things here like kicker and landfall and, you know, all the four tribes that we're going to look at feels like, you know, you've got your your payoffs and your enablers. And I think blue has a lot of nice flexibility in its overlap of like, you know, you're, there are a lot of cards where you're like, I could put this in kicker. I could put this in wizard tribal. I could put this in my blue white party matters deck. You know, there's a lot of overlap, I think. Yeah, blue looked very deep and very synergistic. Yeah, so uh, we talked about a lot of the these payoffs last week. Um, so I don't think we need to repeat them, but there's a, there's five here, five payoffs for kicker at, uh, at common and uncommon. So that wraps us up for kicker and moving on to our next archetype synergy support. We want to take a look at this is plus one plus one counters. There's a theme of this that's concentrated in Golgari. There are 11 commons that grant plus one plus one counters, and there are 11 uncommons that grant plus one plus one counters. And we've got a few payoffs here for plus one plus one counters. There are six of them. First up is Narlid Colony. Pretty excited about this guy. This is one and a green for a 2-2 with kicker two and a green. If it was kicked, it enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it, and each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has trample. Yeah, the other sort of lord, quote unquote, for plus one plus one counters at common is Hogger Constrictor. It's two and a black for a zero zero snake. It ETBs with two counters on it, and each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has menace. Up next, we've got a sweet one. This is an uncommon iridescent horn beetle. Four and a green for a three four. At the beginning of your end step, create a one one green insect creature token for each plus one plus one counter you've put on creatures under your control this turn. That seems like you could go off in an absurd way with that. That is one of the sweetest build rounds in the set, in my opinion. I'm very excited about that card. I'm not actually that excited about the plus one plus one counter deck. Um, it feels feels kind of like a backdoor deck to me when the other stuff isn't going your way or isn't open. Or perhaps I'm wrong about that. Well, it feels like green's got a lot of options of roots to go down, right? Like it feels like green plays well with most of the other color pairs as far as like you've got outs to do party things. You've got outs to do plus one plus one counters in green black. You're doing kicker in Simic. I think if you draft green with the idea that you don't really want to be landfall, it feels like you've got a lot of other options. Yeah, I mean, I guess that that's the thing is I'm like, I am excited about green, blue and and I guess maybe green, black, but I'm a little wary of green, red and green, white. All right. And most of the rest of the ones we talked about last week, but it does look like there's a fair amount of support there for a self-contained plus one plus one counter thing in green, black. All right, Ben, let's party here. Let's take a look at what's going on with these four tribal creature types. So party, as we we broke down last week, it's concentrated in Wuber, right? So green is sort of <laughs> tertiary in all of these. There are 13 total commons that care about party, right? So that'll be different than when we look at the, the individual creatures that care about their own creature types. So 13 cards at common that care about party and 12 at uncommon. And a lot of these payoffs are either in cost reduction for the spell or one-shot bonuses. So there's not a lot of, you know, we talked about that single white trick practiced tactics that's like deal damage to target attacking or blocking creature equal to twice the number of creatures in your party. That kind of an effect has blowout potential in terms of, you know, I have a cleric and a wizard. I go to cast this on your X4. In response, you kill my cleric or my wizard, and now I can only deal two damage to your X4, and I, I can't kill it. But that is not really going to happen a lot here um, with these effects. Yeah, I think that's true for sure. So moving on to the four tribes, they're clerics, wizards, rogues, and warriors, right? Each of those tribes has a color pair where they're heavily themed as far as support. So clerics are black-white, wizards are blue-red, rogues are blue-black, and warriors are white-red. 
So you can dive into those specific color pairs for deep synergies in an individual uh, creature type, or you can get a smattering of all of them to try to get your full party bonuses. Um, so the two best colors, as we said last week at that, are going to be blue, white, and black, red, because that's where you get all four creature types as either primary or secondary in your two color pairs. So for example, in blue, white, clerics are going to be primary and warriors are going to be secondary and white. And in blue, wizards are going to be primary and rogues are going to be secondary. So you'll have easy access to all four of those creature types in the two color pairs of blue, white, and black, red. Yeah. And the breakdown is fairly similar across these four creature types. So clerics, you've got eight commons, seven uncommons, and it sort of goes like four in the primary, two in the secondary, and then one tertiary, one green in common. And then at, at the uncommon slot, it's like three, two, one, one. Um, and that that includes one green card and then one of the gold uncommon. Um, Clerics is, is, I think, the front runner for me in terms of the tribe I'm most excited to draft. Are you? Oh, man, I, I am excited to draft some rogues. Oh, yeah. R- rogues is a very close second for me. But the, the the white black cleric seems incredibly supported. Yes, I agree. As far as like support and power level, I think clerics is number one for me. But what I want to do the most <laughs> is rogues. <laughs> well, rogues is, is a cool spin because I think as, as we'll, we'll maybe get to here. Uh, looking at some of the cards rogues has this this neat thing where like you know you're the theme is trying to get your opponent to eight cards in their graveyard and then all of your cards get a bunch of bonuses but then there's also just going to be i think versions of the deck where you're winning with deck damage not regular damage yeah it's going to be weird you're going to be pressuring your opponent on two different axes yeah i do think overall though party looks like far and away the most supported thing and the thing that you're going to be having to keep in mind the most when you draft do you still think it's going to be pretty easy to get a full party? No, I think it's going to be easy to get two, and then I think you're going to have to do a little work for three or four. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm skeptical of the full party life, but I agree. I agree. Two. Two should be pretty simple to get. I think. Um. So yeah. So we we, we talked about clerics. Wizards is the same breakdown: eight commons, seven uncommons. Rogue one bump here: nine commons and seven uncommons. And warrior overrepresented and I think underpowered 11 total (laughs) commons and eight uncommons. Yeah, I mean, I'm not above drafting a white red beatdown deck. I think and maybe this is just hope, but I think this is the first set in a while where red white may not be great. Yeah, it it depends on how good the equipment is, right? Yes, I think so. But it, it doesn't look that good to me. I agree. Yeah. But we've been wrong before. We've been wrong before. We'll be wrong again, I'm sure. So if we take a look at sweepers in the format, there's a few here, none straight up. Uh, so the first is Cinderclasm. This is a little pyroclasm effect. One in a red for an instant, deals one damage to each creature, and then has kicker of a red. So if you pay one red red, deals two damage to each creature instead. Ondu uh, Inversion is six white white for a sorcery. It's rare. It says destroy all non-land permanents. And uh, the flip side is Ondu Sky Ruins. This is a modal double faced card it's uh an enter the battlefield tapped white source i guess that's pretty straight up but at eight mana i don't feel like that's going to be happening that often and like more often than not when you have it in your deck you're playing it as a land so like if you're playing a best of three like your opponent might see it game one as a land and right. <laughs> be able to play around it you know well something somebody else was saying on twitter that i'm so thankful that we're not dealing with is that these modal double face cards if you were drafting in person like you just get to stake your claim to that color so they'd be even more busted than they already are Oh, right, because you have to reveal flip cards when you're drafting in paper. Yeah, Um, I just like that never occurred to me because you and I never draft in paper. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Last one here is Shadow's Verdict. This is three black black for a sorcery. Exile all creatures and planeswalkers would convert a mana cost three or less from the battlefield and same deal from the graveyard. Yeah, so really not a lot like 
We got one actual factual sweeper in Andu Inversion, but it costs eight mana. So I just don't think we're going to be dealing with sweepers that much. And I'm pretty thankful for that, actually. I know. After Amonkhet Remastered, it's going to be <laughs> you're living <laughs> yeah. in terror constantly. <laughs> yeah. Wrath of God, the format. Uh, next thing we want to look at is the mana fixing that exists in the format. Now, this is very much concentrated in green. And the one thing that I found really interesting is like we're not seeing a lot of effects of like it's a green creature that taps for mana of any color or an artifact that taps for mana of any color or whatever. It, it almost all requires you certain searching up basic lands. So you're going to have to impact your mana base if you want to splash around. Yeah, I agree. I was not impressed with the fixing I saw. So we, we talked about a lot of these in terms of, of, of kicker and landfall stuff, right? We have Roiling Regrowth and Basswood Surge. One card that I think is, is actually going to be quite a, a good glue card in the format is Reclaim the Wastes. It's a single green for a sorcery. Search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand. It also has Kicker 3, and if you kick it, you search for two basics instead. And Stonework Pack Beast is, is sort of the Prismite variant that counts as uh, a creature in your party, right? So it's a beast, but it's also a rogue, warrior, wizard, and cleric, so it can count towards your party, and it has pay two to, to add one mana of any color to your mana pool, so you get to filter through a cost, which I think that card is actually going to be good in the format. That's what I was asking. Like, do you think you're going to be okay with putting that in your deck? Or is it going to be like a begrudging, I have to play a Stonework Pack Beast in my deck? I think like, I, I imagine I may pick this card as early as like pick four. Whoa. I, I just think it's going to be one of those things, like it's colorless. It's going to work towards a lot of the things in the format, whether you're doing a multicolor green deck, which I do think there's a lot of support for, or if you're just doing like, you know, you're in white blue or you're in red black or you just want another thing that's another cleric for your white black deck i just think that this card is going to make your deck a lot of the time and that i'm saying that as someone who is very wary of one toughness creatures in this format right yeah that makes sense and the last way to fix here we talked about it last week but just to mention it again is lithiform blight black gets a little bit of mana fixing this is one in a black for an enchantment aura enchant land when it etbs you draw a card and enchanted land loses all land types and abilities and has one tap add colorless or tap pay one life add one mana of any color to your mana pool yeah. So I, you know, it looks like you're gonna have to work for it. And I think it, you're, this is just another piece of the, how do you build your mana base puzzle of this format that I'm looking forward to. Next up, we'll look at life gain. And this has a, a pretty heavy overlap with white black clerics. There's there's sort of overlap of like when you gain life, you care about X. So there's eight ways to gain life at common and a handful of repeatable ways too, right? We talked about Kazandu Nectar Pot. That's the one in a green one three with landfall gain a life. There's a three mana one four in white that has like whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you can gain a life. Um, so, so some repeatable ways as well as some one-off ways and seven at uncommon. And we have a handful of payoffs. One of them at common which is pretty sweet marauding blight priest two and a black for a three two vampire cleric whenever you gain life each opponent loses one life we've also got attended healer this is three and a white for a two three core cleric whenever you gain life for the first time each turn create a one one white cat creature token and you can pay two and a white to give another target cleric lifelink until end of turn this seems like a really sweet one to me yeah, I think so. There's Cleric of Life's Bond. This is the white-black uncommon. It's a two-mana 2-2. Two, two. Whenever another Cleric enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. And whenever you gain life for the first time each turn, you put a plus one, plus one counter on Cleric of Life's Bond. That card's absurd. So is this next one. Yeah, Scion of the Swarm. This is three black-black for a 3-3 three, three flying vampire cleric. And whenever you gain life, put a plus one, plus one counter on Scion of the Swarm. Holy cow. Yeah, very excited about this Cleric deck. 
Um, and I do think this is a good bit of life gain to keep whatever aggro decks exist in the format in check. Yes, I think so too. Moving on to our next category, which is mana sinks. There are a ton of places to put mana. I can't imagine that you are going to be hurting for ways to spend your mana. So there's kicker, there's modal double-faced cards, there's the cycle of relic artifacts, there's equipment, there's creatures that have activated abilities. There are tons of places to put your mana. And I think if you're picking the modal double-faced cards appropriately highly, you should never, ever be flooding in this format. Should we? I feel like we're going to need to talk about modal double-faced cards a little bit every single episode until the 50 takes episode. I think that's probably true. So I was posting on Twitter some some pack one pick ones of like good uncommons, like a good modal double-faced card and then another very good uncommon. And one like one was four red uncommons that I thought were all very close. And another was Umara Wizard and the Air Elemental. So Umara Wizard is four and a blue for a four three. And it's a modal double faced card. And then whenever you cast a wizard instant or sorcery spell, it gains flying until end of turn. And the air elemental is three blue blue for a four four flyer. And whenever you cast a kick spell, you scry two. So the, the two blue card example is the most clear face up example. I think the right answer is Umara Wizard right now. And I, I would be shocked if that changes. But there are a lot of people that are saying the air elemental, right? And there's some cognitive dissonance that happens there, right? When I was going through the spoiler, I had to stop myself and say, no, like just because this other card is better on the front side, there's a significant power level increase to having the option to not only play it as a land on the flip side, but potentially put it in your deck in a land slot. Like the amount of consistency you get from, you know, not not having to deal with mana screw or mana flood is absurd, right? So you and I, what, hover between somewhere like a 66% win rate and a 75% win rate, depending on, you know, how well the format clicks with us, whatever. So mm-hmm. if you imagine like of that 25% that we're losing you know what what is it 10 percent, 15 percent is not getting to play magic and if you draft these cards the right way you get to eliminate a lot of whatever that percentage is where you just don't get to play magic if it's five percent ten percent that that's really powerful right the thing that i can compare it to the most recently is adventure in terms of like you know we we would be running these like 18 land aggro decks that ended up having something upwards of 30 spells in them if you had like seven adventure cards right it just felt like you always had stuff to do with your mana in these decks and you got to play so many spells because most of the time these adventure spells you know both halves were oftentimes worth a card and this is going to be the same thing you're going to get to run these like 17 land 28 spell decks that are in 40 cards that's so powerful so powerful do you know the lowest rating you gave a modal double face card? A C plus. Yeah, that's that's as low as I was willing to go. Like some of them maybe don't pull me into a color, but most of them do. And just that that flexibility, that is very powerful. And that's enough to pull you into a color. Next up, we're going to look at flying and flying hate in the format. And I, <laughs> I hate to say it, Ben, flying looks pretty good in this format. I know it. I know it isn't often, but it's quite good here. So we got seven total creatures with flying at common and 10 at uncommon plus Roost of Drakes, we talked about that as the, the kicker enchantment that makes two twos. And Cliffhaven Kite Sail is a flying granting equipment. We're usually pretty high on these effects. 
Yeah, I, I was excited to see Cliffhaven Kite Sail. And then there's there's only three creatures with reach, and they're all pretty bad. Like, there's no beefy spider. So we've got Nissa's Zendikon, I guess, is maybe the best of the bunch. This is three and a green for the aura that enchants land and makes it a 4-4 elemental creature with reach and haste. It's still a land. And then when the land dies, you return that card to its owner's hand. Ooh, I did not know that that land had reach, so you might have just saved me from <laughs> attacking into Nissa's Zendikon Enchanted Land. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Next up, we've got uh, Tajuru Snarecaster. We had this in last week's episode, and I don't think we ever went over it. This might have been a bullet point that got deleted. This was, is this going to be Ethan's most drafted common? And the answer, I think, is going to be a resounding no, because it is it is not very good. It's two and a green for a one for Elf Rogue with Reach. Yeah, and the last one here is Tuck Tuck Rubble Fort. This is two and red for an O3. It's a defender with Reach, and creatures you control have haste. And I think this may be the first time for the 50 Takes episode where we do not need to remind folks that the red creature has reach. Yeah, holy cow. And so I have here that these are bad, capital B-A-D. And it reminds (laughs) me of uh, GRN, Guilds of Ravnica, where Hitchclaw Recluse was like the best reach thing. And that was the three mana one four like we have here. I, I just don't see the ways to punish the flyers as well as our only plummet effect being the aforementioned Broken Wings that's a two and a green, destroy artifact enchantment or creature with flying. How do you feel about Cliffhaven Kite Sail being awesome in some of those landfall aggro decks? I could see it. I mean, it's definitely going to be, I think, a house in sealed. I think it just depends on like how board stally the format gets as well as, as how good that card is going to be. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, it does look like there's not a lot of ways to defend against the Flyers here. All right, that moves us on to the section of the Crash Course where you and I are going to go over cards that we graded differently. And before we get into that, we want to go over the limited resources grading scale. That's what we use here on Lords of Limited. Do you remember for our initial episode where we did our, our restaurant point ranking? I, I've tried to forget it, um, <laughs> but yes, I do remember that. <laughs> I was just thinking about that the other day. Some good times. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So kick things off with our A's. Your A's are your bombs, your game winners, good in many situations, especially when behind. Best cards in the set, some bomb rares and hyper efficient removal spells. So from M21, some examples, Sublime Epiphany, Baneslayer Angel and Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Uh, B's, these are strong cards that pull you into a color, make you want to play that color, reasons to be in a particular color or combo of colors. So we got Seasoned Hallowblade, Scorching Dragonfire, or Conclave Mentor from M21. How dare you put Seasoned Hallowblade as a B? Moving on to your Cs, your solid playables, the meat and potatoes of any limited deck, very interchangeable, average creatures, normal removal spells, cards like Chandra's Magmut, Deathbloom Thalad, Pride Malkin, and Anointed Chorister. And I'd say like the biggest gap or the biggest significant difference is from c plus to b minus yes that's where a card starts to pull you into a color uh d's these are your sometimes playable below average 22nd 23rd type cards think dub portcullis vine or sky scanner your f's are your unplayables cards you should never put in your deck or weird rares life goes on tormod's crypt and then a couple of like grade augmentations here first up is sideboard cards cards that don't make the main deck but when you board them in can be quite good like legion's judgment run afoul or return to nature also got build around cards cards that don't do much on their own but when you build around them can be good to great Cards like Sanctum of All, Teferi's Tutelage, or Double Vision. And then Synergy cards is the last one here. Cards that are not good enough to build around, but provide good synergy if they're in the right deck. So you think like Goblin Wizardry in like blue-red spells, or as a package, Infernal Scarring in the Black-White Life Gain deck, or Chandra's Pyreling if you've got like, you know, a Chandra's Magma or whatever. Yeah, all makes sense. All right, Ben, get your, uh, let's get our, our argument caps on here. Yeah, so first up is practiced tactics you gave us a d plus i gave us a synergy c plus this is the white instant 
uh, deals X damage to target attacking or blocking creature, where X is equal to double the number of creatures in your party. Yeah, I, I'm just not super excited about this. This doesn't feel like outflank to me. And perhaps this is just like a holdover of this effect might be good now, period, or just as good, period, because it's so cheap. Um, and even though there's a lot of text on this card, it's going to end up being uh, being a good removal spell. I could see a world where a white deck values this as much as it values Nahiri's Binding. So if you're a blue-white party deck and you're planning to have a minimum of two creatures of different types on the battlefield, this dealing four is a very good card for only having two creatures on the battlefield, right? For a single white mana dealing four to an attacking or blocking creature, that's very efficient and it's very hard to play around, right? Like one of the reasons these cards are bad is because you have to hold up the mana and then your opponent, you know, gets to decide whether or not they're going to attack into it. Holding up a white is not a big deal. So I think in a deck that cares about party, and I think you're only playing this in a deck that cares about party, but when you do, I think it's going to be a good card. So maybe a secret white blue slash white green gold card? Yeah, I could see that for sure. All right, I'm down for that. I'm down for Synergy C+. Next up, we've got Resolute Strike. It's a single white for an instant. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. If it's a warrior, you may attach an equipment you control to it. You know, this is interesting because, you know, this is one of the the first cards that I graded before having a feeling that the warrior deck wasn't that good. Uh, I gave this a C, you gave this a D plus. And I also think like there's like another augmentation I want to give here where it's like, I think the first copy of this in most white decks will play out like a C, but I don't think you want more than one. And I don't think you need to pick it like a C, which is is another weird way of describing a card. Um, so I, I see where you're coming from, from D plus, but single mana combat tricks just are generally good, I think. Yeah, I agree. You'll want one copy of this in every Warriors deck, maybe two. The the attaching an equipment thing is not irrelevant either. So you're potentially getting like three mana for free or something. I, I could see this doing work on a Warriors deck. Yeah. Okay. I'll go up, go up to C minus. Next up, we've got Expedition Healer. This is one and a white for a 2-2 Cleric. And as long as you control another Cleric, it gets lifelink. It also has Vigilance just straight up. I gave us a B minus. You gave us a C plus. Yeah, I'm very excited about this card. I just don't know if it's a pull into white. I mean, it also feels like I recognize that it plays well in the party deck, but I think it's going to be best as a black white card. Right. I think it's going to be best as a black white Cleric's card for sure but it's going to be a cleric in your clerics deck or in your party deck and in that party deck you're presumably going to have other clerics multiple copies of this card work well with each other on the battlefield if you've got two on the battlefield they're both going to have lifelink 2-2 lifelink vigilance is a very strong card right can you imagine if bishop soldier from ixalan had vigilance i i can and that would have been even more busted the thing is is that that was a pretty unique format, right? Where the removal was bad and there were ways to augment Bishop Soldier. And and there are some equipment here, though I'm not very excited about almost any of them. Um, so there's not a lot of ways to to pump that up. I think it'll just depend that the more aggressive the format is, the better this card is. That's certainly true, yes. And and the better the black-white deck is, the better this card is. Like how, how key of a piece in that deck it is. I could see it being C plus or B minus. I think it's way too early to be arguing. <laughs> but that's what we do best. F- absolutely. All right, what's next? Next up is Smite the Monstrous. You give us a sideboard grade. I gave us a grade of a C. That's three and a white instant destroy target creature with power four or greater. After checking out our stats, I did did my grading before we did our stats compiling. I am going to join you in the sideboard camp. All right. Sounds good. Wow. I didn't even have to say anything. He just folded. Doesn't doesn't hit enough creatures. Only hits 15 creatures. 
All right, well, we, we sort of touched on this a little bit, Ben, and I think uh, we don't need to talk about it very much, but anti-cognition is next up. This is our, our quench variant for creatures, but if an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard, you just counter the creature or planeswalker spell and then scry too. Yeah, I thought when it said instead counter that spell, it no longer had the clause, it no longer had the restriction of creature or planeswalker. If that's still the case, I am less excited about this card and I am going to be complaining a lot more when my opponents get me with it before it's turned on. It's tough though, right? Because, so I'm trying to think how much worse is this than Essence Scatter, right? In your opener, you're going to be able to counter anything, any creature that matters from like, whatever, turn two through turn five, probably. And then if you're in a rogue deck beyond that, Maybe you're trying to to mill them and get them to eight cards, and then you can turn this on in the late game. But just that the fail case of not being able to get the thing when you want to just feels really bad. It's only playable in a rogues deck, right? And even then, I don't think it's that good. Right. I'll join you at C minus. Next up is Ruin Crab. You gave us a Synergy C. I gave us a Build Around C. Interesting. Yeah. So this is the single blue 03 landfall. Whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent mills three cards. So are you just jamming a Ruin Crab in your deck? No, I'm, I'm jamming a Ruin Crab in my rogue deck. In your rogue deck. Do you think it's worth a slot just to get that threshold of eight cards in your opponent's graveyard? I think so, yeah. I But I don't think I want to build around it. I don't think I'm like picking a Ruin Crab and if you, you know, as you're saying, build around C somewhere in the middle. The only time I could see it is if like I'm aware of seeing one in my first pack and then like pick five, I see one. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to take this. And if I wheel the other one, maybe now we're like turtling up or crabbing up as it were. <laughs> to uh to mill our opponent you know so here's where i'm at with it here's here's my thought process in a rogue deck i think there are enough good rogues that turn you on to getting to that eight card threshold well enough that i don't think i'm willing to dedicate a slot strictly to a card only for the purpose of getting me to that threshold i don't think it's i don't think it's going to be worth a card in that scenario so i was saying with the build around grade i only want to put this in my deck if i think my deck really has a reasonable chance to mill the opponent out the other thing that alex was touching on here is that this could like secretly even though it says landfall on it this could be a win con in a blue green kicker deck like you've got all those like ramping green cards that are finding you lands and then like you know maybe you're good at at not losing but you don't have a way to win right you've got that green common with kicker that lets you search up two lands when you kick yeah. it. yeah yeah that makes sense so i could see that um so so maybe it is a build around in that sense uh next up in blue is salundi vision this is two in a blue for an instant look at the top six cards of your library you may reveal an instant or sorcery card from among them and put it into your hand put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order and it's an mdfc so the flip side is a tapped blue source I gave this a B, you gave it a C plus. Yeah, I just don't think this card is broad enough to be pulling me into blue, right? You're not even playing this in every blue deck. I mean, I guess you are, right? Because it's a free roll, but like, but I don't, missing I don't it think the casting, the casting of it is not going to be good in every blue deck, if that I makes I was, sense. I, I agree. I think it's it's a B in a blue-red deck. Yes, I agree. But in, Where, like, just you're not picking it like, I just don't think you're picking this early and letting it pull you into blue because for it to be in the B range, you have to build your deck in such a specific way. Right. And one of the things that makes the MDFCs so good and such high picks is that you don't have to do that for most of them. Yeah. All right. I'm down with C+. All right. Moving on to black. We don't have a lot of grade differences here, which is the first time really I think that's ever happened. So that either bodes very well for both you and I understanding the format or or we're both going to get wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> at the start of the format. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of, lot of learning curve action happening. <laughs> 
so in black, we've got Nimana Skydancer. You gave us a C plus. I gave us a D plus. This might be our biggest grade difference. I think it is. This is two in a black for a 2-1 human rogue with flash and flying. And when it enters the battlefield, target opponent mills two cards. Yeah, I just feel like this checks all the boxes. I'm very excited about this in a blue-black rogue deck. I think this just being a rogue on its own, being good for like your your two color decks that are uh, are caring about party stuff. And I just think it being an evasive two power creature is nice. This just I think this plays well in a lot of spots. How worried about this dying to something like subtle strike are you? I know. Yeah, like I've, I've been very picky about the X ones that I am excited about. And this is one of them. But I agree. Like I recognize that that's a tax. There are things that punish X ones in the format. I think that the upside of this outweighs the times when my opponent gets to just straight up kill it with with subtle strike. Let me ask you this. Are you excited about this outside of a blue black deck? When a card has good types, I am excited about it. And it's a two power evasive threat. Two power evasive and there's just like, threat. What, and what are you, how are you blocking this with another flyer, right? You, you're not playing the stupid one four with reach. Like things with flying are good in this format. Yeah, I agree. I, I would see, I think is as high as I'm willing to go. I think in a rogue deck, it's definitely a C plus. So maybe on its face, Sure, you maybe it's just to see the fact that the like mill two ETD is very good. I can't I can't see being excited about this card anywhere other than I, I think I'm hoping to not play this most places outside of a blue black deck. Yeah, I mean, I just think there's going to be times when you have where you're a white black deck that's like primarily clerics, but you're not going to get that nuts cleric deck every time. And then you're going to end up with a white or a black you're going to end up with some white or black cards that care about full party. And then I think this rogue is where you want to be. Yeah, I'll buy it. I'll see as high as I'm going. I'll, t- I'm t- I'll take it. I'll take the C. <laughs> Next up, we've got Akum Hellhound. You give us a D plus. I give us a Synergy C. So this is single red for the O1 Elemental Dog. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, it gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Yeah, I'm still out. I, you know, we, we sort of landed on opposite sides of the coin here last week when we talked about it. Um, and now having a full scope of whatever this like red green landfall deck is, or maybe this just goes in your red white aggro deck. I, I just I don't think this is very good. I agree. After seeing the full spoiler and being down on landfall in general, I am lower on this. I still think it's it's going to be a player in the format, but I am not excited about it. Like, I think you're hoping to get this card on the wheel or like seventh, eighth pick. I don't think it's pulling you into anything, but I, I do think it'll see play. Yeah. I think that's fair. I'm excited about talking about this next one. Grotag Bug Catcher. This is one in red for a 1-2 Goblin Warrior with Trample. And whenever it attacks, it gets plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn for each creature in your party. Both excited about this. I gave it a C plus. You gave it a B minus, though. This is pulling you into red? I think so. I think this is going to be the second best red common past the Roiling Eruption or whatever it's called, the removal mm-hmm. spell. Uh, and I think typically the best, the best commons have pushed into the B territory. I think this is going to push you into a red aggressive deck. This is going to be absurd in the red black party deck. I think it's just a good card. It's a, it's a beater. It, it attacks it by itself as a two mana two, two. And then if you have any other creature on the battlefield, it attacks as a two mana three, two. Yeah, I just don't think I mean, I'm excited about it because it's got types and cares about types and like late game. It's maybe not bad and can attack as like a two mana four, two. And that's pretty good. But like, you know, you're talking about attacking as a, like you would give a two mana two, to trample of like a C minus generally. Sure, but it's got maximum. This is a two mana five two trample. Yeah, that's 
that's the dream. That is the dream <laughs> for sure. I like this card. I just don't, I don't know. I'm, I think, again, how aggressive the format is will uh, bear out how good this card is. I think it's probably more likely that it's a C plus. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm curious about this one. What's going on with Scavenged Blade for you? Yeah, I don't know. So you gave us a D minus. I gave us a C. Alex gave it a D plus. We're all over the place. This is one in red for the artifact equipment. When it enters the battlefield, attach a target creature you control. Equipped creature gets plus two plus O, and it has an equip cost of two and a red. So I imagine my Grotag bug catchers holding this very well. Red white is going to care about equipment. So this is going to be like the common equipment of choice, I guess, for the, the red white equipment warriors deck. That being said, I'm not super excited about that deck. I don't know. These equipment were the hardest cards for me to grade in the whole set, I think. Like they're just awkward. Like the auto equip makes them better. How much better does it make them? I think C is probably a little aggressive. Maybe it's a C minus, a D plus. But I do think you're going to play this in your red white warriors decks. I mean, I think this gets a lot better if you have evasive stuff. I'm just not excited about a zero toughness boost. You would not play a two mana plus two plus O aura that could like recur for three mana or whatever. This is better in the aggressive deck though than an equipment that gives plus one plus one, right? Because you just want your cheap creatures to trade up. Well, I don't, you don't want them to trade at all, ideally, right? <laughs> you <laughs> well, want them to like, deal damage. But but they're going like the, the two you would prefer in an, in a beatdown deck have plus two plus oh rather than plus one plus one do you disagree with that statement i do disagree with that statement like <laughs> if we think about sh- like think about this versus short sword in m21 you don't want this attached to your alpine watchdog you want short sword attached to it yeah but that's because there are a lot of other tutus running around in m21 well but the cre- that seems like creatures are smallish here like what were our x2s were like 44 percent of the creatures or whatever yeah Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm out on this card as evidenced by D minus, and but, but I, I'm excited to be proven otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably too high at C. I'll go D plus. Moving on to the uncommons here in red, we've got one Grotag Night Runner. This is two in a red for a two three Goblin Rogue. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. I gave this a C minus, basically on the back of it being a red Rogue, and you gave it a C plus. Yeah, I think all of that stuff comes into play for me i think red rogue and it's going to be threat of attacking it's going to force your opponent to play differently i mean this is not as good as a scroll thief certainly um but in general if you're playing magic right you want to attack before you're playing your spells right so i mean theoretically this is in the ballpark of a scroll thief which is an effect red doesn't normally get i I think it does a lot of things and there's a so there is a creature at common sneaking guide that's a one mana one one that you can pay two tap to have a creature with power two or less be unblockable until end of turn. Um, so that plays nicely here, except again, th- there's a huge difference here of this not being a scroll thief, right? You can't then you can't leverage your removal spell or bounce spell or whatever to then get this in to have that sort of like snowball effect because you only get to have until end of turn to cast that spell. So if it's more expensive than the amount of mana you have, if it's something that doesn't have a good target, if you have something better you want to play from your hand, like uh, I, I just am, am very wary of this actually netting me cards in a reliable way yeah i think that's true but i think it does enough stuff like a medium well like it does a lot of different things right it does do a lot of different things i agree and, and late game with sneaking guide it's quite good so i don't know uh, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out all right moving on to green we've got our first one here this is gnarled colony you gave us a c i gave us a b minus yeah you you're you're this is your card 
Yeah, I am all about this card. I was initially, I think when I when we did our uh, preview last week, I think I said this was most likely to be overrated. <laughs> so maybe maybe I'm falling into the now, trap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do like this card an awful lot after looking at the whole set. So one in a green, two, two. Uh, kick your two in a green. When it was kicked, it enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it. And each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has trample. So I just think this does a lot of different things, right? In your kicker deck, this is going to be your premium two drop of choice, right? You'll be able to run it out on turn two, or you're going to have kicker later. Uh, five mana for a four, four trample is not overpaying by that much for the modality that you get. I think the clause of every creature with a plus one plus one counter on it has trample is going to be relevant. You know, black green is going to care about that. It's going to randomly come up. There's ways to get counters just in green in general in your green decks. I think this does a lot of things on a common, and I think it's very good. So perhaps I'm I'm too excited to party here in Zendikar, <laughs> but things that do not have types I'm wary of or I'm slightly knocking. So like this not being a relevant creature type, I think is a knock against it. And, and, and I don't, you know, it's not fair to make sort of like direct comparisons, but if you think about Untamed Kavu from Dominaria, which was very similar, a two mana, two, two with Vigilance and Trample and has Kicker two in a green. And if you kicked it, it was a five, five. So it had three plus and plus one counters on it. And, you know, that format was unique, but that was not a great card in that format. And that was an uncommon. That was just sort of a, a meh card. You were never really happy to play it as a two mana, two, two. Perhaps in this format, you'll be much happier with the flexibility here. But like, I think this is a, a good card perhaps c is too low and i should give it a c plus but i do not think this is a pull into green for me i think this is so i think in i think in green like not having types is a little more excusable than the other colors right green blue you're not necessarily going to care about types that much green green black you're not necessarily going to care about types that much and in the landfall decks you're not necessarily going to care about types that much i think you're gonna want i think that is the color where it's least impactful. And I think this this offers so, so, so much, especially to the kicker deck and the green black deck. Yeah, those are very that's a very fair point. That may be in green, it just doesn't matter. All right. I, I'm I'm interested to see. I think you've you've got this in your your top green commons. I don't, and then perhaps I will be uh be sorry for that. Yeah, next up we've got Jiraga Visionary. Again, you gave us a C, I give us a B minus. You just you just hate green. Uh, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn. So this is three and a green for a three two elf wizard, and when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. Yeah, this is this is good, but it's four mana, right? I mean, this is what you want for four mana, though, right? Like this card just speaks for itself. Four mana, three two is fine stats. Wizard is gas, and when it ETBs draw a card, it replaces itself. What is not to love about this card? I think this was maybe at the point where I was like thinking that Landfall wasn't as bad as maybe I think it is now, and like comparing it to Canopy Bayloth, I was like, well, you got these two four drops. The Canopy Bayloth is the four mana four three with Landfall plus two plus two until end of turn. And I was like, well, you know, you're going to diverge down this road of like some decks are going to want Bailoth in the four drop slot. Some decks are going to want Jiraga Visionary. But maybe just like I that green just doesn't want to be that aggressive. And I just always want Jiraga Visionary as my four drop. I mean, I think both of those cards are absurd. I love Canopy Bailoth as well. I don't love Canopy Bailoth. It's like, okay, can I convince you to love Canopy Bailoth if you think about it as a hooded brawler that gets to exert every single turn? No, I don't know. I just don't think, like, this isn't Amonkhet. Six fight attacks is a six five. Who cares? Four mana six five? You're not excited about that? Eh. Eh? Eh, I'll just cast Royal Eruption on it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, listen. (laughs) Dies to Doomblade. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm coming, coming up to C plus here on the visionary. Uh, next up at uncommon, we've got Skyclave Pickaxe. Single green for an equipment. When it enters the battlefield, you auto equip it. 
It has an equip cost of two and a green and it has landfall. Whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, equipped creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn. I gave this a B minus. You gave this a C. And again, I was, I was grading this, I think, in the context of not thinking landfall was less good. I do think this is a very powerful, aggressive card, though. Yeah, these, like I said, these equipment were hard for me to evaluate. I just don't know how excited I am about this effect. It, like, you're not excited about this card outside of a dedicated landfall deck, right? Right. So maybe maybe it's got to be synergy B minus. Yeah, maybe. Even then, I don't think this incentivizes me to want to build a landfall deck. I could well, see it being a C plus. I don't know. You remember this was, what is it, Wanderers something? This was an equipment in OG Zendikar. It was, an, it was a colorless equipment that had the same thing. And I think a quick cost of one or whatever. And it was very good. Now, that was a format where aggro landfall was the name of the game. And I am not sure that's the, the thing here. But if there is aggro landfall decks, I do think in like green, red or green, white, this is going to be a good card. I could see it. I'll, I'll go C+. Moving on to gold cards. We've got one disagreement here. This is Soaring Thought Thief. You give us a B plus. I gave us a B minus. This is a blue black for the one three flash flying human rogue. As long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard, rogues you control get plus one plus O. And whenever one or more rogues you control attack, each opponent mills two. Mr. Rogue over there, you don't love this card? I mean, I do. I gave it a B minus. Yeah, this I just this card just has so much text on it and does every single thing the blue black deck wants. I do feel like it's I don't know. We're probably splitting hairs here, just saying B plus B minus. But I'm I'm very pumped about this card. I think it's it's a two mana two three flyer at its best. I mean, like the flash, you got to be tricksy with it. It's probably not eating things, you know. Mm -hmm. I think it seems fine. It gets you to your gets your opponent to eight cards real fast. But I think a lot of the rogues do that. The evasive ones, there's just not a lot of evasive ones. Yeah, I, I I think we're splitting hairs. I mean, I like the card. I just don't think it's like going to win you the game on its own like a B plus card would. All right, that's fair. Last card here to talk about is Base Camp. This is a land. It's an uncommon. Enters the battlefield tapped. It taps to add a colorless mana and it taps to add one mana of any color, but it can only be spent to cast Cleric, Rogue, Warrior or Wizard spells or to activate abilities of Cleric, Rogue, Warrior or Wizards. Yeah, you gave us an F. I gave us a C. You're still you're still have PTSD from tournament grounds or whatever it's called. Right. But that card was an F. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, As I a content this... creator, it is my responsibility <laughs> to tell people to not put this card on their deck. The times when this doesn't cast the spell you want is a real problem. So do you think you're ever going to put this card in your deck? I'm hoping to not. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I want this card to be okay. There's a lot of clerics, rogues, warriors, and wizards. I could see this being playable in a base green multicolored deck. I think that's the place that it's the least playable. Because <laughs> green has fixing. You don't need this. Like, sure, I, I could see maybe if I've got a heavy creature, blue-white deck, and I've got a like black bomb that's one of these types, maybe... Because there just like isn't colorless fixing floating around. Okay, you're right. C's way too aggressive. I'll go D. Mi I'll go D minus. <laughs> that is. That sounds about more more like it. All right. Onwards to the top commons. Ba ba boom. All right. What's going on with your your white top commons here, Ben? In my number three slot, I've got Expedition Healer, which is one and a white for the two two core cleric with vigilance. And if you control another cleric, it has lifelink. Yeah, that's my number two. Which is weird, right? Because I had it graded higher than you. 
That's right. Yeah. I think we, so we've got the same three. They're just in different orders. And I like where your number one is at. So my I have Shepherd of Heroes is number three. This is the four and a white. We haven't talked about this yet. This is four and a white for a three, four angel cleric with flying. And when it enters the battlefield, you gain two life for each creature in your party. Yeah, that card is absurd. Uh, my number two is Nahiri's Binding. This is one white, white for the enchantment aura, enchant creature or planeswalker, enchanted permanent can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. I am begrudgingly putting this in my top commons, but I am hoping white's just so shallow. I don't even know if it's ever going to get bumped out. Yeah, I don't think it will. Um, And that's my number one. But I like I like your take here, Ben, of what your number one is. Yeah, my take at number one is Shepherd of Heroes, the three, four flyer that gains two for each creature in your party. I think this on average is going to be a three, four flyer gain four. And I think that's busted. And anytime you're gaining more than four. You're going to be absurdly happy. This goes well in the clerics deck. Flyers, we've said, are good. This is like huge stats on a flyer. I don't know. When I look at white and when I look at aggressive decks, they look anemic to me at face value, even like considering all the landfall synergies and stuff. So I I, I put white cards in my top commons that I thought I would want in like the non-aggressive strategies. Yeah, and I was thinking about like, well, how could I put a five drop as my number one common? But the, there are cards in recent memory like Chillbringer or Grasping Thrall where you were just like, I will load up on as many of these as I possibly can. It doesn't matter that they're five mana. And Shepherd of Heroes looks very similar to those cards. Yep. All right, moving on to the uncommons. Again, I think we have the same ones here, but in a different order. My number two is Journey to Oblivion. Four and a white for an enchantment. Costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. And when it ETBs, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Journey to Oblivion leaves the battlefield. Yep, that's my number one. My number two is Fearless Fledgling. One and a white for a 1-1 Griffin with landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you put a plus and plus one counter on Fearless Fledgling and it gains flying until end of turn. Yep, that's my number one. Sweet. All right, we got looking at blue here. We're all over the place. Blue is very powerful and very deep i i am hot on blue as the best color yes me too so I, i've got a little bit of a take here in risen riptide as my number three common this is two and a blue for an o5 elemental whenever you cast a kicked spell risen riptide has base power and toughness five five until end of turn yeah I, I waffled i strayed so that was not in my top three and then after reading some stuff in the discord i put it as my number three and then i, I decided to stay strong to my original take i do really like risen riptide it's a card that appealed to me for the very first time i saw but it is not in my top commons. I do think you're probably more likely to be right having it in your top three commons than I am, but I'm going to stick with my original guns. There's just a lot of inherent synergy with it. You know, Into the Royal is going to be our best blue common. You're going to talk about the Capture Sphere variant here. There's just a lot of ways to go like Risen Riptide on three into a Kicked Spell on four. Right. Blue's got a lot of self-contained synergy with Risen Riptide. Mm-hmm. So my number three is Bubble Snare. This is blue for the aura uh, enchant creature. It has kicker of two and a blue. When Bubble Snare enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, you tap enchant a creature and enchant a creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. Yeah, Bubble Snare didn't make it into my top three, but I do like the card quite a bit. My number two, maybe an, again, a bit of a hot take here. Cunning Geyser Mage, two and a blue for a three, two human wizard and has kicker two and a blue. When it ETBs, if it was kicked, you can return up to one other target creature to its owner's hand. Yeah, the card is very good. It did not make it into my top blue commons, though. My number two is Tazim Royal Mage. Yeah, this is one of blue- Chronicler. Heck yeah, this is one of blue for a 2-1 Merfolk Wizard with kicker four. And when it ETBs, if it was kicked, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. I want to loop some into the Royals with my Tazim Royal Mage. Oh yeah, well that's easy. It's just 10 mana draw card. Beautiful. And we both have, speaking of, into the Royal as our number one instant one in a blue Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand and as kicker one in a blue if it was kicked, you draw a card. So all three of those cards, all four, all four of those cards, other other than Risen Riptide, 
have kicker. Why I think Risen Riptide is going to be pretty darn good. Right. And it's all self-contained within blue. Like that sort of inherent synergy within a color is so, so, so powerful because then you get to put that as a package in every blue deck. And just to gush perhaps a little bit more about blue real quick, like so there's the the kicker stuff that's going to play really well with green. There's the rogue tempo stuff that's going to play really well with black. It's got a ton of instants and wizards plays really well with red. And I think playing well with white is probably its, its least good thing. But then that's where you've got the like, let's have a party deck. I just think all four blue decks look pretty darn good to me yes i agree every blue color pair looks very good moving on to our blue uncommons my number two slot is umara wizard that's four and a blue for a four three merfolk wizard whenever you cast an instant sorcerer or wizard spell umara wizard gains flying until end of turn it's also a modal double-faced card that has a blue tapped land on the other side yeah i've got that as my number one and i had merfolk falconer as my number two but i want to audible here just talking about all the kicker cards in blue at common i'm I'm going drake roost here okay that is my number one so roost of drake's blue mana for the enchantment has kicker two and a blue if you kick it you just get a two blue blue two two flying drake which is not that bad and whenever you cast a kick spell create a two two blue drake creature token with flying i think that card's going to be absolutely bonkers yeah agreed looking at black holy removal batman uh number three i've got subtle strike the combat trick that gives a plus plus one counter and gives minus one minus one until end of turn yeah that didn't crack my top three my number three is feed the swarm one in a black for a sorcery destroy target creature and enchantment and opponent controls you lose life equal to that permanence converted mana cost yeah, that one didn't make my top three. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, my number two is Vanquish the Weak, two in a black instant destroy target creature with power three or less. Same for me. And my number one, Deadly Alliance, four in a black instant destroy target creature or planeswalker, and it costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the uncommons. Again, we've got the same, but they're swapped. My number two is the MDFC Black Bloom Rogue, two in a black for a two, three human rogue with menace. And it gets plus three, plus oh, as long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard. And of course, the flip side is a black tapped land. Yeah, that's my number one. And I had Blood Chief's Thirst as my number two. This is black sorcery, destroy target creature or planeswalker with converted mana cost two or less. And if you kick it for two and a black, destroy target creature or planeswalker instead. Busted. Black gets so much removal. Yeah, one of the best things about black is that you're going to be able to take a while to find your lane, right? You can just pick, pick the removal highly and then you can figure out what color pair you're going down. And I do think similar to blue, all of the black color pairs look good to me so i'm excited about excited about blue black rogues black green plus one plus one counters black red party and black white clear because i think all four of those decks look very good as well right and i think so it sounds like you and i are on the same page with blue for me is the best color and black i think is the second best color and that has to do with i think one of the biggest edges you're going to gain in this format early is figuring out what those flexible cards are right what picks can you make early in the draft that are going to lead you open to the most number of decks and i think blue and black provide those in spades yep absolutely moving on to red as far as commons my number three is synchronized spellcraft that's four in a red for the instant deal four to a creature and deal x to that creature's controller where x is the number of creatures in your party that one did not crack my top three i'm much more excited about this little critter ardent electro Romancer. This is two and a red for a three-two human wizard. When it enters the battlefield, you add red for each creature in your party. Can you talk to me about that card? Because Alex was pretty hot on that card as well, and I, I, I must be missing something because I am not crazy excited about that card. I think it's good, but not super special. I think it's not hard to imagine 
a turn where you go, or a game where you go turn two Grotag Bugcatcher, turn three Arden Electromancer, cast another two drop. That is very explosive. Yes. Yeah. And like, you know, then it's sort of flexible along the curve, whatever. On turn four, you cast this in a two drop. Like it just enables double spelling in a very powerful way. It's good types. Very good in like a blue red wizards deck, I think, because it's a wizard. I don't know. I I just think I'm pretty scared of those draws of bug catcher into this into a two drop. Yeah, that makes sense that it's explosive. I just I think I'm stuck on like three mana three two or even two mana three two or whatever like that the creature that you're getting is not powerful enough to make me excited about the card even if you're getting a discount on mana i could be wrong about it you do you remember from cons of tarkir and obviously different format blah 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 but you know it just reminds me of there was the the hill giant that had raid you got to add red white black to your mana pool yes and obviously that was much better because of morph so you just like always got to use that mana to morph a creature a lot of the time um but it's that kind of effect, I think, is is very powerful to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Moving on to number two, I've got Grotag Budcatcher, the one in red for the one, two, and whenever it attacks, gets plus X plus O for each creature type in your party. Also has Trample. Yep, I've got that as my number two, and we're both on Royal Eruption number one, one in a red sorcery, deal three, kicker five, if it was kicked, deals five damage instead to any target. What do you think is going to be the best common between Royal Eruption, Deadly Alliance, and Into the Royal? Ooh, I'm on Deadly Alliance currently as the number one common. Yeah, it's close. Royal Eruption's so powerful. It's very powerful. It's going to end some games or or maybe end a lot of games. I don't know, as, as the kicked version, potentially. I'm just much more excited about black than I am about red. I agree. All right, moving on to the red uncommons. In my number two slot, I've got Thundering Rebuke. It's one in red for a sorcery, deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. Yeah, that's my number one. And my number two is Akum Warrior, five in red for a four five Minotaur Warrior with Trample. And it's a modal double face card, of course. Why wouldn't your six mana four five Trample be one? It uh, has a entered the battlefield tapped red source on the other side. Yep, that was my number one. All right, let's look at green here. For green, I've got Jiraga Visionary as my number three, the uh, four mana three two Elf Wizard when it ETBs draw a card. That is my number three as well, but we had such drastically different grades for it. That's funny. <laughs> my number two is Gnarled Colony, uh, one in a green for two two beast, kicker two in a green, and it, it was kicked. It enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it, and each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it has trample. Yeah, that's probably right. I, I, I maybe was, was stuck on types here. I, I, I like this pick though. I think this is a good card dauntless survivor is my number two so one in a green for a one one human warrior when it enters the battlefield you put a plus and plus one counter on target creature that just feels so much less versatile than gnarled colony to me like i think i'm only excited about that card in black green specifically i don't think so i think multicolor green party is going to be a deck yeah and then that leaves a one one warrior on the battlefield yeah I, mm-hmm. i'd buy it okay you're right yeah it's probably not the second best green common moving on to number one i assume we both have rabid bite one on a green for a sorcery target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control yep and uh, moving on to the uncommons uh, another fight spell here colony ambush is my number two two in a green for an instant target creature you control fights target creature you don't control and it's a modal double faced card tapped green source on the other side yeah that's my number two and my number one is balaged recovery this is two in a green sorcery return target card from your graveyard to your hand and is a modal double faced card with a green tap land on the other side yeah that's my number one too so we were kind of lined up here i mean we had cards in different orders a lot of the time but not a lot of grade differences like maybe a lot of like single gradations like c versus c plus type deal but it felt like we were on the same page for i don't know 80 90 percent of these cards 
Yeah. So day one of the format, what are your, what are your takes right now? What are you hoping to do? What do you think is going to be good? What do you think's not? So my loose color rankings is blue one, black two, green three, white four, red five. Ooh, red five. I mean, maybe red four, white five. I, I, it feels like much like it was like Naya Gap blue black in M21. It feels like Sultai Gap red white to me. That's where that's where I'm at as well. I'm I'm liking the takes so far. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a very fast format to me. And I'm just like really excited to solve. I don't even know if it's going to be like solving the puzzle, but, you know, solving each deck's puzzle of when do the MDFCs replace lands? When do they not? What's my land count? And then the in-game decisions of playing those out, I think are going to be really interesting. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I, I think landfall, you know, we've talked about it, looks not very supported. I could easily see right like by right now, my take is that white, green and red, green and red, white are going to be the three worst decks in the format. But maybe I'm just underselling that type of strategy. But that's my current take. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I agree that the tools look like they are there to combat aggro. The removal is very efficient, that sort of thing. And I think party is going to be a huge player in the format. I think party curve outs are going to be very scary. Like if you're if you're curving out whatever, two drop, three drop, four drop, synchronized spellcraft in some sort of a red, black party aggressive deck. I think that's going to be really tough to beat. I think you're going to need to be able to interact with your opponent's creatures and you're going to need to be able to get them off the battlefield. I agree. I keep comparing this to, you know, my take on City's Blessing from Rivals of Ixalan being like, well, how easy is it going to be to get 10 permanents? And then it was very easy. And then escape. I was like, well, how many times are we escaping <laughs> in Theros Beyond Death? And it was a lot. And so like my my instinct is like, party seems tough to come together that like that three or four party members seems rare to me but it's like the front line or one of the front line mechanics of the format and i that has never been like unsupported so i'm i'm gonna go in trying to resist that that instinct and assume that you can get there and so i agree with your take that those party curve outs are gonna be great car that you're most excited to cast in the format Ooh, probably the like blue green kicker uncommon that lets you ramp and gain life from kicked spells the blue green kicker deck is definitely like the decks i'm most excited to draft are like white black clerics blue black rogues blue green kicker blue red wizards yeah card i most want to cast is roost of drakes yeah and i think blue green kicker and just like the the blue kicker risen riptide deck what whatever whatever color pairs end up pairing best with that that's what i'm most excited to do and dirtle forever with shepherd of heroes and just gain gain six and eight life in spades gain all the life and just win with the mill crab in your blue white deck yep absolutely um here's another question for you let's say everybody else is on the same page right everybody else thinks that blue and black are great and the decks we talked about are great are you going to start to try and like figure out how to make the landfall aggro decks kick? No pun intended. Yes, but I I think that's going to be my last area of exploration. I mean, there's also just the straight up two color pair tribal decks to explore, right? Yes. Like, I mean, if you're getting cut out of those other things, white, black clerics, red, blue wizards, like are those just going to be decks in and out? It feels like, again, similar to Eldraine. This is a format where there's going to it's going to be very difficult to get cut out of something right because a lot of the deck because i think there's gonna be and we'll have to see how many decks tables can support or whatever but in theory you could have like there could be a blue red dedicated wizard spell drafter at the table and then there could also be a blue red party deck at the table you know right yeah that's this format seems really sweet i hope it delivers because it's been had quite the summer of uh of m21 here yeah i am excited i'm jones into uh 
to draft in the streamer early access event, which both yeah. of you and I will be participating in on Wednesday. So if you're listening to this and you catch it before Wednesday, make sure you tune in. Ethan and I will both be streaming. We actually have that day as an online day for teachers to get caught up on work. So I will be firing up the stream as soon as our online day is over at about like 2.33 o'clock. Oh, just be honest, Ben. You're going to have Arena open on one monitor and your, your classes <laughs> no, open on the other monitor. No, can't, we have to go into school and I do not have the luxury of two monitors at school. Oh. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> oh, that's a great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Come check us out on Twitch and Twitter. Like we said, uh, streaming on any other day, but especially on Wednesday for the early access event. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. Spelled out. Both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much to Channel Fireball for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB to purchase anything or sign up for CFB Pro to read our weekly articles, please use code LOL, all caps, at checkout to let CFB know about this partnership and that we sent you there. And we will catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Wait, I just remembered the mana pool is gone. This doesn't I know. say. I, just, I, I know. Are we paper boomers? <laughs> we're we're kind of paper boom, boomers saying mana pool. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. This card doesn't say that. It's so weird. <laughs> it's a mirage. I know. I, I just read that and I'm like, add to what? What am I adding it to? <laughs> oh, good times.